Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I, uh, I was with the team driving over this morning. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been to Durham once or twice, but I dropped down the airport and I went to wherever I needed to go. And I didn't really get to spend some time in this area, in this, this triangle, as they call it. So I'm kind of looking all over the last day or so that I've been here, kind of just kind of trying to pick up on the vibe of a city. And we were driving over this morning, and I feel like I got a, a real sense of who Durham is as I watched two grown men in a fist fight in the middle of the street. I said, y'all do this every day. Is this just, is this, is this just how y'all roll? Is this, is this what it is? And he said, Pastor, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. I don't even, this is a, this is a good part of town. I don't even know what's going on right now. I said, don't apologize. I'm from Baltimore, man. I feel like I'm at home. This, this makes me feel like I, I, I know my ways around here. And I told him, I said, listen, when I start my message, don't think I changed my message off of that fight. I, I was going to come and preach about fighting before I saw that fight. It, it was just a confirmation that I brought the right word for the right house. Question for you. Now, your neighbor's going to try to act like they've been sedity and, and, and edumacated their entire life. So don't worry about them because this ain't for them. But show of hands, how many people you can remember your first fight? You can remember. Come on. Come on. Show me your hand. Don't worry about your neighbor. They lying. But you just, come on now. Come on now. You, re you remember. Maybe you're 8, 9, 10, 12, 13, 29, last week, whatever it is. Keep, keep your hand up, keep your hand up, keep your hand up. Okay, in the house of God, you can't lie in church, okay? How many people, keep your hand up if you won your first fight. If you put your hand down, if you got whooped. Listen, listen. I need, I need receipts. I need evidence. I just... You should, you can put your hand down. You should, you should see the other one. Now, I, I, I warn you, please don't laugh at me as I tell you about my first fight, but I'm not much of a fighter, y'all. I'm a pastor's kid. I was born literally in church on a Sunday. My dad was preaching, and they came and interrupted his message, said, hey, your wife's water broke. You might want to end this message. I'm a church kid through and through. I'm not a fighter. I was homeschooled because it was too ratchet in the schools in Baltimore, and my mama said, I ain't sending you out for the devil to turn you out, so you're going to stay your butt at home. So I didn't grow up fighting much, but I remember my first fight. My mom, I have five siblings, one older sister, three younger, there's five of us. And, and, and my mom went out to the groceries one day, and she did what you mamas do. She said, hey, I'm only going to be gone for a few minutes. Don't open the door for anyone. Why y'all do that? Y'all know y'all shouldn't be leaving us home by ourselves, but she just said, I, I'll be right back. And, and, and she got in the car and she drove off. And, and me and my siblings did what pastor's kids do. No offense, you might be a great pastor's kid. I was not. But we did what pastor kids do when their parents leave. We locked the door and we turn on Jerry Springer because that's what you do <laughs> when your parents aren't old. 
we're sitting there watching Jerry Springer or Ricky Lake or Jenny Jones, one of them shows. And, and about three minutes after my mom left, the doorbell rang. And I'm like, well, it couldn't be my mom because she got a key. She went to ring the doorbell. And I kind of go, and you know how you, like, open the window just to see who it is, and you don't want them to see them. And, and I peek around the corner, and it's a kid from the neighborhood at the front door. I opened the door, and I said, what do you want? I didn't knew him. He knew me. He knew I didn't like him, and I knew he didn't like me. So I don't know how he was ringing my doorbell. He wasn't bigger than me. I wasn't afraid of him. I just didn't like him. I opened the door and I said, what do you want? And he said, I came to borrow some cheese. Now, I got to clarify because you may not be from Maryland. I, I didn't grow up in the hood, but I also didn't grow up in a borrow a spoonful of sugar from your neighborhood. That's not the neighborhood I grew up in. I, listen, when you moved into my neighborhood, nobody was bringing you a cake. Nobody was bringing you a pie. Just keep your dog off my lawn. That's the kind of neighborhood I grew up in. So I'm confused why he's coming to my door to borrow some cheese. I said, I don't got no cheese. He said, then go scrape some off of your mother's teeth. That's what I said. So now, I'm faced with a decision. Do I obey mom and stay in the house? Or do I defend my mother's honor? Because you ain't going to say my mom got some cheesy teeth. I said, what do you say? He took off running. I made the right decision. I ran after him. And it wasn't just like one block. We going through people's backyards. We jumping fences. We about five blocks down. But listen, I'm a runner. I'm a track star, y'all. I caught that fool. Tackled him. Had him pinned on the ground. Only problem was, this was my first fight. I'm this sheltered, homeschooled pastor's kid. I didn't know what to do. Y'all like, dummy, throw a punch. I never done that before, so I held him there. And I thought of the meanest thing I could do. I said, take it back. <laughs> he looked at me confused like, is that it? You going to let me off that easy? And he's like, I take it back. And I was like, yeah. And I got up and I walked off. I won that one. <laughs> They're like, help him, Lord. Hear me. It's all right if you're 10 years old and you don't know how to fight. It's okay if you're 13 and you don't know how to fight. Some of y'all wish your kids would fight less. <laughs> it's a problem, though, if you're 30 and you still don't know how to fight. It's a problem if you're 40 or you're 50 or you're 60 or you're 25 or you're 18 and you still don't know how to fight. And hopefully you're tracking with me by now. I'm not talking about fist to cuff with your physical hands. I'm talking about you know how to fight in the spiritual realm. Hear me. It's a problem if you call yourself a follower of God, but you do not know how to engage in spiritual warfare. Hear me. Nobody at this church, we're talking about the church down the street, but uh, some people have bought into a utopian Christianity where somebody told you that as soon as you accept Jesus, all your problems go away. Anybody been saved for longer than 15 seconds to know just because I've got Jesus doesn't mean that the problems go away. Anybody can testify, actually, it's after I decided to walk in the things of God that it appeared that all hell broke loose in my life. If you're a follower of God, you are going to have to learn how to fight. 
for what God promised you. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. What does that mean? It means your mother-in-law is not your problem. <laughs> Why do y'all got to trust your mother-in-laws? I love my mother-in-law, but some of y'all be tripping. It's not your boss that's your problem. It's not your coworker that you're fighting against. It's not even the government or the education system. We're not fighting against another human. The enemy may use a human as a puppet. He may put a face on your battle, but the face ain't your enemy. It says we war against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Now, now, some of you just, well, why, why would the enemy want to attack me? Why, I didn't I need do nothing to him. I didn't start no trouble. Won't start nothing. Won't be nothing. I, I've got no issue with the enemy. Here's what you've got to understand. If you're a follower of Jesus, you may not have an issue with the enemy, but the enemy has an issue with you. Why does the enemy have an issue with you? Can I blow your mind? The enemy believes in you more than you believe in you. The enemy knows the potential that God placed inside of you more than you know the potential that God placed inside of you. When you wake up in the morning, you may look in the mirror, and only women do this. Y'all wake up in the morning, y'all look in the mirror, y'all just be like, oh my gosh, my hair, my eye. Listen, us men, when we look in the mirror in the morning, we're like, boy, you beautiful. You, we look a hot mess. When we look at ourselves, we see our failures, we see our insecurities, we see our setbacks, we see the mistakes that we've made, not realizing that the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 that God made man in his image, in the image of God. He made them male and female. You may not realize this, but your very presence carries the image of God on your life. When you look at you, you see mistakes. When the enemy looks at you, he sees the hand of God, the image of God the glory of God, the power of God on your life. Somebody shout, I look like my daddy. You look just like the God who made you, and the enemy desires to wipe that from the face of the planet. You may not have a beef with the enemy, but he's got a beef with you. Another reason why the enemy is going to attack you is because he knows every time God elevates you, lost people are going to see the goodness of God. The Bible says that God will take you from glory to glory to glory to glory. And here's what happens when God begins to move your life forward and your resume doesn't support it and your education doesn't support it and your network doesn't support it. People begin to ask questions. How did they get that job? And how did they get that wife? And how did they get that house? And how did this happen? And how did that happen? And hear me, when they start asking you, don't you dare take credit for it. I know you worked hard. I know you went and got three degrees. I know that you hustled and worked nights and all that other good stuff. But whose breath in your body did you get that degree with? Whose mind in your head did you come up with those problems and those solutions? You better say out of your mouth, if it had not been for the Lord, who was on my side, I wouldn't have this family or this business or this house or this career. What you see is not just my gifting. What you see is the favor of God on my life, and you can have that same favor as well. 
That's why God desires that you live a life that unbelievers are jealous of. Because when they look at the church, they should see something they don't have. And cause them to ask, where did you get that? And the enemy knows because of God on your life that you are going to move forward. So he does everything he can to, to abort the plan of God for your life. He does everything he can to, to steal, kill, and destroy. And here's what a lot of believers don't realize. The enemy will steal what God promised you. You think, well, God said it. I believe it and that. Well, yeah, as long as you fight for it. But you've got to understand the enemy will attack your marriage. And if you don't know how to fight for your marriage, he'll steal it. The enemy will attack your kids. He'll attack your finances. He'll attack. There's a passage in the Bible. This is a word, church. So y'all read the book of Jude, right? You know Jude. Jude, where that at? It's, it's in the back. <laughs> I'm so nervous to get to heaven because they're going to be jokers up there that wrote books that I ain't never read. And they're going to be like, did you read my book? I'm like, who are you? I'm Malachi. I thought that was Malachi. I'm sorry. I'm going to go back. Jude chapter 1 verse 9 says this, yet Michael the archangel is contending with the devil when he disputed about the body of Moses. Dared not bring him a reviling accusation but said, the Lord rebuke you. What just happened there? Here's Moses. The Bible says that Moses was the most humble man to walk the planet. That's an impressive endorsement. Now, Moses is the one who wrote in the Bible that he was the most humble man to walk. So, so I don't know how much of that verse we can take <laughs> accurately, but the Holy Spirit let him write it, so apparently it was true. And when Moses passed away, here comes Michael, the archangel, to escort him into heaven. And it says the devil showed up trying to take Moses' body to hell. And Michael said, no, he honored you. He, he worshiped God. He served God. The Lord was his, the Lord of his life. You have no right to take his body. Hear me, the enemy will try to take even what even doesn't belong to him. And God is looking for believers. I, just, I, I flew a long way just to, don't be a punk. Don't, don't just sit back and cry and moan and why is life not understanding that God has given you everything you need for life and for godliness to take all that he has for you. If you believe it, somebody shout amen. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you three quick thoughts, three quick thoughts. I'm, I'm going to teach first. And then I'm going to preach at the end. Is that okay? I'm, I'm, I'm going to help you, and then we're going to shift in atmosphere. So, so when I'm teaching, don't, don't lose me. Don't, 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 don't check out. And, and then we're going we're gonna to end this thing on the right note. Is that cool? First thought is this. Write this down. Write this down. you got to know when you're in a battle. You've got to know. You've got to know. You've got to know you're, when you're in a battle. So I got this kid pinned on the ground, right? And I'm like, take it back. And you know, I take it back, and I shove him in the ground. I get up, and I walk off. And as I'm walking back to the house, it dawned on me, oh, my gosh, that was my first fight. I think I was in a fight, and I was like, did I win? I think, because in the moment, I didn't realize I was in a fight. I just was running across the neighborhood. And I, you come on down, you ever just blacked out a little bit? You just, uh, uh, they just said something. I just lunged at them, and I don't, don't do that. Don't do that. You're safe now. I've discovered that sometimes I can be under spiritual attack and not even realize it. Some, sometimes I can just feel like, it, it, you ever had a bad week? 
It was just a bad week. The business didn't go well, and it got flat tire in the car, and this happened, and that happened. And you, I'm just the type of person where if there's a problem, I'm going to fix it. So I see a problem, I'm going to fix this, I'm going to go fix this, I'm going to go fix that. And I'm fixing so many things and not even realizing, Stephen, this is not natural, this is spiritual. This is not just a bad week, but this is the enemy that's attacking and you need to conduct yourself accordingly. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 19 teaches us how to recognize spiritual attack. It says this, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory, watch this, from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. How do I know when I'm under spiritual attack? When I feel flooded. Come on, you, you, you ever been there? It's not just the car. It's not just a relationship. If it was just work, I could handle just work. It's that work started tripping the same time my kids got sick and couldn't go to school, and it seemed like it was coming. You ever been to a place where you just put your phone on do not disturb because you're like, I can't take another one. I don't need another phone call, another text message, another email. I just can't. You've got to understand it's a tactic of the enemy to overwhelm you emotionally. Because if I can get you overwhelmed, I can get you on your heels, and I can take something from you. My wife and I experienced probably one of the greatest attacks uh, in our marriage, and probably the greatest one. This was back in August of this year. We were traveling at a conference, preaching and all that, and we got a phone call that our two-year-old had broken her femur. Y'all, that's the biggest bone in your body, close to an artery. And, and if it was a broken femur only, that's bad enough. But what made matters worse was we were out of town and had no way to get to her. Because before we got the phone call, we were on our way back. We were in Atlanta and, and just figured out and tried to get home. And all the flights that we were looking to go home on got canceled. By the way, speaking about spiritual warfare, I have had not one flight leave on time or get me where it's supposed to get me since 2020. If that ain't the devil, I don't know what is. So we're in Atlanta. You know how they do. They delay, they delay, they delay. And instead of just canceling it in the beginning, they delayed us for three hours and then they canceled the flight. And that in itself took a little bit of Jesus out of me. My wife said, don't worry about it. We'll make it a little date night in Atlanta. We went out to eat. Went to, yo, we went to a nice hotel. Said, hey, we're going to a nice hotel. We'll fly home in the morning. We check into the hotel. They bring us to our hotel room, and it's full of cigarette smoke. And I'm like, are you kidding me? We go down. Y'all, they took us to three different rooms. All three rooms stunk to high heaven. Y'all, by that third room, I was getting ready to turn up. You know it's bad when your wife is like, babe, calm down, calm down, calm down. You're a pastor. You're a pastor. I'm like, I'm in Atlanta. They don't know me in Atlanta. I know. So by the time I got to the room, I didn't have much Jesus left. We got to the room. We finally get in about 11 p.m. 11 p.m. We get a phone call. We heard our two-year-old crying in the background. Come on, parents. You know the cry of, I didn't get my way. And you know the cry of, something's wrong. Somebody's hurt. There are two different cries. This was the I'm hurt cry. And we're like, what's going on? And Jay girl fell, and she's been crying for two hours, which is, ugh. And we're on the way to the ER. Take, we're not there. Staff has to take her to the ER. We get a call at 1 in the morning. It's not my staff. It's the doctor saying, her femur is broken. 
And listen, my wife, y'all, is a gangster. She took that phone. She ain't crashed it. Okay, I need you to do this. What's this? What's it? Y'all, I'm huddled up in the corner in the fetal position. Y'all, I'm nauseous. I'm crying. I'm hyperventilating. I'm just like, I got, I got this. I got this. I got this. She's comforting me and handling the problem at the same time. I have never been so overwhelmed in my life. We didn't get a flight until 7 a.m. The next day, got to Children's Hospital. They're talking about surgery and all this other kind of stuff. And in the moment, I didn't even realize that it was warfare. I just knew we're in a situation. Situation. By the way, before I tell you the end of the story, J-Girl is healed by the blood of Jesus. She's walking. She's normal. She's just as bad as she's always been. God did a miracle in that moment. Well, the next day, we get back to Maryland. We're taking care of her, and I get a phone call from a church that says, hey, we were wondering, would you be interested in partnering with us, taking over our location? I said, not right now. It's not a good week. Called them back later, ended up taking over that church, launching it as a new campus in five weeks. 775 people showed up the first Sunday. We opened that location. Hear me. The enemy knew that God was getting ready to break something loose in our life. I didn't know what God was going to do, but he sensed it. And he said, let me attack. Let me discourage. Let me take away their faith before God can move in their life. Hear me. When I was an immature Christian, I used to complain when life wasn't going well. You, you ever done that? You call it prayer, but you're really complaining. You think it's prayer because you start with dear Jesus. But as soon as you get through dear Jesus, it's why me and this ain't fair. And I'm a tither. I don't deserve this. And I'm worse than you. You ever recommended somebody else for the drama in your life? God, I know other people who deserve this foolishness more than I do. You should... That's when I was an immature Christian, but as I grew in Christ, I began to realize the enemy only attacks what he's afraid of. The enemy only attacks what he's intimidated of. And this attack from the enemy is not evidence that God's abandoned me. It's actually evidence that God is for me. And the enemy recognizes God's getting ready to do something in my life. There's somebody in this room, you've been crying and you've been moaning and having a pity party. Why me? You need to turn that pity party into praise, realizing if the Lord let this much drama go to pass. It must be on the precipice of a breakthrough, getting ready to do something that I can't see. The enemy only attacks what he's afraid of. We've got, can, 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 can I give you, one of the things that breaks my heart is there's a lot of believers. Once again, not at this church. We're talking about the church down the street, not y'all. Look at you in this way. He's talking about me. He's talking about me. There's a lot of believers that don't know their word. And if you don't know your word, you don't know what God's promised you. And if you don't know what God's promised you, you will let the enemy take it, and you won't even realize that he does not have the right to take it because you don't know the word of God. So you'll get around people that are battling sickness and they'll say crazy stuff like, well, you know, it runs in my family. Well, you know, it's hereditary. I don't care what's hereditary. The blood of Jesus is hereditary in my family. And he said, by his stripes, I have been healed and I refuse to accept anything less. 
You go into your boss and your boss says, hey, you know, the economy, interest rates, whatever, blah, blah, blah. We've got to dock your salary. We've got to let you go or whatever it may be. And if you don't know your word, you may accept that as, well, you know, it's 2023. Interest rates are where they are and the economy is what it is. No, 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 no. The Bible says that God is going to take me from glory to glory to glory to glory. He didn't say he's going to take me backwards. He said he's going to prosper me in all things that I do. This is not of God. I've got to know the word to know what I have the right to fight over. Can I give you some battlefields? Your health is a battlefield. The enemy will try to steal your health. The Bible says this in Isaiah chapter, in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are now hear me I'm not saying that if you're sick you're outside of the will of God I'm saying that if you're sick it's time to fight because that's not God's best for you God purchased your freedom and your healing by his blood on the cross your future is a battlefield do you know the enemy's going to fight you over the dreams that God's given you? The Bible says, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. If your life has plateaued, if you're not seeing the progress that you dream about, you've got to understand, you've got to fight for it. At my church, I've got a lot of people that are in that kind of millennial, uh, Gen X or Z, all that other kind of weird names that they name young people generation so we've got a lot of single folks and I've got a lot of folks that 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 they 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 a little super spiritual yeah you know I mean like they, I'm all for the spiritual I'm all for the fasting all that kind of stuff but after you're finished fasting for your spouse you need to get up out your house and go somewhere where there are other people and give give God an opportunity to do the miracle that you believe in God for it I'll talk to single guys, listen, 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 listen. If you're gonna find the person that God has for you, you're gonna understand it's gonna be a spiritual fight. And they're like, I don't, I, why, why would me dating and marrying somebody be in a spiritual fight? And I said, okay, let me paint this picture for you. If you're a lover of God, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, walking in the destiny that he has for you, and you meet somebody who loves God, filled with the Holy Ghost and following their destiny, and you guys get married and you have world-changing children that love God or filled with the power, do you understand the thousands of people's lives that are going to be transformed just by the fact that the two of you guys came together? You're looking for, boo, God is creating a world-changing family. You've got to understand the enemy is going to want to attack that. By the way, the greatest battlefield you'll ever face, hear me, it's the battlefield of your mind. The enemy will attack your thought life more than he will attack anything else because he knows the word of God and the word of God says, as a man or a woman thinketh in their hearts, so are they. He said, I don't got to make you broke. I just got to get you to think you're broke. And if I can get you thinking broke, you will go and self-sabotage every blessing that God has for you. I, I've, I've just got to plant a thought in your mind. Maybe your grandma told you this or, or your mama. You can't really trust anybody you marry. You know blood is thicker than water. And he said, if I can just plant that thought in your mind, you will live it out in your, no, 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 no. The Bible says what God has put together, let not man. We've got to learn how to battle over thoughts. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I call this my Mortal Kombat verse. It says this, 
bringing every thought into captivity. Every time I read that, I just hear, finish him. <laughs> Where are my video game folks at? It says, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We've got to learn that when a thought comes in my mind that is not of God, I've got to capture it and replace it with the word of God. Otherwise, the enemy is going to win. And before I move on, can I just encourage you in a second? Don't, don't get discouraged when you're under attack. Don't get discouraged. Get, get excited, like I said, because the enemy only attacks what he's afraid of. And the Bible says that when the enemy attacks, it says that God will arrest him. But we serve a God that does not just arrest and restore. We serve a God that has promised you in his word, anytime the enemy attacks, that God will pay you back double for your trouble. Somebody say prove it. Come on, somebody say prove it. Exodus chapter 22 verse 4 says this, If the theft is certainly found alive in his hand, whether it is an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall restore double. You've got to understand if you're under the attack of the enemy, when God shows up on your behalf, he is going to pay you back double for your trouble. You're going to get double the time that you lost when you were laying on that sick bed. Maybe you battled depression for two years because of some trauma or something that you've been through. You've got to understand that time is not lost. God will pay you back. Y'all look, y'all look, y'all look skeptical. Y'all look like y'all don't. Do I need to prove, prove, prove it more? Okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. I'm here for it. Okay, here we got Adam and Eve. Y'all remember Adam and Eve, right? Here it is, Eve in the garden. She, she eats the fruit and ruins the world, or at least that's, that's my interpretation of it. By the way, can I clean something up? It wasn't an apple, y'all. Ain't nobody going to ruin the world over an apple. It had to have been a mango. And not just a mango, but a Haitian mango, okay? I ruined the world over a Haitian mango. Over some Macintosh, I ain't got time for that. So they're in the garden where they used to fellowship with God. Eve bites the fruit. She gives it to Adam. The fall of the world, sin comes. They run because they realize we're not covered, we're naked. Tracking with me? Here comes God. Adam, where are you? I ain't going to preach that one. Just know when God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. If God ever asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer, it's because you don't know the answer. Adam, where are you? He said, I'm hiding. Why are you hiding from God? Because someone lied to you and told you that I was disgusted with you? Because someone lied and told you that because the church didn't accept you, God wouldn't accept you? Somebody needs to hear this. You think God's disgusted with you. You think that God is throwing you away. You do not understand. God does not look for people to tell them that he's disgusted with them. He looks for people to tell them, I've come to cover you. I've come to restore you. I've come to redeem you. I've come to bring you back to where I called you to be. It says he killed a lamb and he covered over Adam's sin. Now, he did kick him out the garden because there are consequences for your sin. If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible. 
here it is, the enemy attacks and they lose fellowship with God. And watch this, for all of scripture and all of history, God has been working through the blood of Jesus to restore the fellowship that we once had with God in the garden. Can I mess somebody say double for my trouble? But God said, whenever the enemy attacks, I can't take them back to where they were. So I'm not going to put them back in another garden. I'm now going to make it possible for them to live in heaven with me for all of eternity. Because whenever the enemy attacks, it's got to be better for them on the other side than it was before the attack. Can I mess with your head? Heaven was never created for you. Because you were never supposed to die. But when sin entered the world and death entered the world, no offense, because I know we sing it, let's get back to Eden. We ain't going back to Eden. We're going to live in glory with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because he says, if the enemy dare comes at my children, I'm always going to take them to a level that's greater than they were when he came. Second thing is just write this down. We have supernatural weapons. We have supernatural weapons. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says this, for though we walk in the flesh... We do not war according to the flesh. What does that mean? It means stop cussing people out. That's how you used to fight before you knew Jesus. Look at your neighbor. Come on, tell somebody. Say, stop that, stop that, stop that, stop. I'm, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Listen, okay, boo-boo, you, you, you only got so much mind to give. Stop giving pieces away. You've been giving so many pieces away so long, you don't got much left. Don't give a piece of your mind. He said, we don't fight the way the world fights. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. God's given us supernatural weapons. I, I was preaching this at my church one time, and, and a young lady actually DM'd me, and she said, Pastor, I'm confused. My team let me know about it, and we responded. I said, I'm confused too. What are you confused about? She said, well, last Sunday you preached that God fights my battles. And then this Sunday you preached I got to learn how to fight. So which is it? Is God going to fight for me? Or I got to fight for myself? I said, that's a good one. I'm confused. If you give me a week, I'll preach it next week. Can I give you the answer that God gave me? Let's walk through scripture. Moses leads Israel out of Egypt. Egyptians behind him, Red Sea's in front of him. Moses stretches out his staff. Waters part. Who parted the Red Sea? God or Moses? Y'all don't sound too sure. By the way, teach your kids in Sunday school. If they don't know the answer, just say Jesus, okay? She, Jesus. Listen, you got 90% chance of being right. If you, who parted the sea? God did. The Bible says that the water was stacked up on both. It says they walked through on dry ground. No way the ground would have been dry after being at the bottom of the sea. That was the hand of God. Somebody say amen. But who stretched out the staff? You tracking with me? Can I give you another one? The story we're preaching about, David and Goliath. Here you got this little boy against this giant. He grabs five smooth stones, put in his sling, throws that sling, hits Goliath in the forehead. Goliath dies. Who killed the giant? Oh, this, this, this is a smart class. This is a smart class. This, God did. But who threw the stone? Can, can I prove to you that God killed Goliath? But, but, but nothing in Scripture is by happenstance. Every word he put there on purpose. It says, here it is, David in front of Goliath. He flings the stone. It says, Goliath gets hit in the forehead with the stone. And the Bible tells us that the giant fell face down. Question for you. If you get hit in the forehead with a stone at the velocity to kill you, you will fall. 
He didn't get killed by a stone. He got killed by the light-skinned side of God's hand up the back of his head. Who threw the stone? What am I trying to say? God will fight for you, but you can't sit there and do nothing. You got to give them a staff. You got to give them a stone. You've got to give them a prayer. You've got to give them a praise. You've got to give them a statement of faith. You, you, there, there's something that you've got to do to activate the warfare of God. His power is supernatural. And if we don't do something natural, there's nothing super for him to put on the back of a bank and come, I'm done. Can I give you some weapons that God has given you? Your prayer is a weapon. Some of us just think that prayer is the last resort. Let me, let me just pray because I've got no options. You don't understand that when you pray, heaven responds. Daniel chapter 10 verse 12 says this. Then he said to me, do not fear Daniel, for from the first day that, the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Daniel cried out to God, God, can you deliver us? God said, the first day you prayed it, the answer was yes. He said, but as soon as I sent the yes, the enemy tried to block your answer. And I had to send warring angels to bring, here's the church word, breakthrough into your life. There's somebody in this room, you're mad at God because you've been praying the same prayer for weeks or months or years. And you're like, God, why did you say no? God, why have you abandoned me? God sent me to let you know. He said, I said yes the first time you started praying. And that no didn't come from me. It came from the warfare that you've got to continue to pray and continue to fast until... That's why he said, when you pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on as it already is in heaven. Heaven says you're healed. Heaven says you're delivered. Heaven says you've seen breakthrough. Heaven said that you're the head and not the tail. And it's our job to demand. I'm settling less, I'm not settling for anything less than heaven promised me. About nine years ago in our church, we were in this season where we were selling this small building that we were in, and the money that we were going to make from selling the building, we were going to use to purchase equipment for where we were going. It was the day that we were closing on the sale of the building, and I'm sitting in my office working on something. One of my executive pastors come in the room like, Pastor, I think you need to sit down. I said, I'm sitting down. They said, the bank just called. There's an issue, there's an error. Deal's off. Sale can't happen looked at me and said, Pastor, are you okay? I said, I'm good. I was lying. He walks out. I sat there for two minutes. This wasn't my first fight. It wasn't my first rodeo. I knew this was the enemy. I got up out of my chair, went out in the back parking lot behind the church, looked around, made sure no one was looking. <laughs> Started screaming in tongues, not yelling at God but knowing what God promised you. Father God, I decree and declare that this is not your promise over my life. The enemy is trying to block. I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of, y'all, I'm yelling, I'm screaming, veins are popping. It got so bad, a UPS truck came driving by and the driver's like, are you okay? I said, you ain't never seen somebody go to war before and I'm, cause I knew what God promised me. And I'm back there praying. And as I'm praying, I just felt a peace come over my heart. You ever been there? I just felt it's done. Whatever I was supposed to do, 
it just happened. I said, in Jesus' name, amen. Went back into my office, sat down. About an hour later, my executive pastor came back. He said, you would not believe what just happened. I said, try me. He said, the bank called back and said it was a clerical error. If you can get here in 30 minutes, you can close today. I said, tell the bank I'll be there in two hours. You ain't going to rush me. I wish I had somebody who knew that my prayer is not just lip service. My prayer is not just something spiritual people do. But I know that when I open my mouth, Warring angels are dispatched on my behalf. I know when I say, thus saith the Lord, heaven responds to my prayers. I wish I had somebody in here that understood the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And I don't need to cry tears. I just need to declare the word of God over that cancer, over that disability, over that broken relationship, over this business. And I will see God come to pass in my can I give you a couple other weapons? Your praise is a weapon. I said your praise is a weapon. The Bible says when the people of God praise that he inhabits the praises of his people. It may sound foolish to lift your hands, to shout, to scream. We can do it in church because everybody else is doing it in church. I wish I had some saints who knew God enough to lock themselves in their closet on a Tuesday and say, God, this has become your altar. And in this moment, I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to lift my voice and I'm going to declare you an awesome God and a mighty God and a worthy God. I've got this, this, this fancy little app on my phone. It's called Nest. And this app is connected to the thermostat at my house. And I can actually change the temperature, turn on the air condition, turn on the heat, turn up the heat, turn down the air condition at my house just from this app. Which means I can be in a completely different state and shift the temperature in a different atmosphere just because of what I have access to. I wish I had some believers that understood that what happens in this room right now is shifting the temperature at my job that I'm going back to. I wish I had some believers in this room right now that understood that yeah, there may be drama at home, but if there's praise in my belly in this moment, it's gonna bring a peace to what I'm going back to. I wish I had some believers that understood that my praise in this room is shifting the atmosphere in that hospital room. Can you take about 30 seconds? Don't play with it, but shift the atmosphere in your home. Shift the atmosphere in your job. Shift the atmosphere in your family. Some of you are getting ready to go back to a Thanksgiving dinner that you're not excited about. Take a moment right now and somebody shout hallelujah in this place. That's why I got so excited when I walked in this morning. And they said, we're sorry. We try to make them behave. We try to make them behave. I said, no, I feel like I'm at home. Hear me. All of this is foolishness if it doesn't change anything in my life. But if I've been walking with God long enough to know, yeah, when I shouted on Sunday, I walked into a meeting on Monday and the favor of God met me in that meeting. Yeah, I shouted on Sunday and you laughed at me because I didn't know how to pick up my feet and put them down. But I tell you this, when I walked into that hospital room, the doctor started stuttering and saying, I, 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 I don't know what to tell you we thought it was this but what we saw on the x-ray isn't there anymore it may not be for everybody but does anybody in this room know that when I praise God he shows up
shows up. He shows up. He shows up. He shows up. He shows up. And hear me. Maybe you're new to church. Maybe you think it's a game and it's a show and oh my gosh, they do this every Sunday and oh my gosh, why are they so extra? I wish my family, but when you have lived long enough to know I don't have the bank account to fix this, I don't have the education to fix this, I don't have the intellect to fix this, if God doesn't show up, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then he shows up, you are convinced that you're convinced that you're convinced if God be for me. Doesn't matter who it, it does not matter what they say. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Don't sit down. I'm done. Write this down somewhere. You're trained for war. We can keys it out. I'm gonna narrate David and Goliath. And then we're gonna be you wanna sit? Go ahead, sit, go ahead, sit. Y'all, y'all were y'all, I got nervous because y'all started shouting before I preached. I said, I hope they got some left for when I come up there. And y'all started shouting about victory. And I said, oh, the Spirit of God is here. Because 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55 says, Oh, death, where is your sting? Or Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I was worried about preaching this message because I said, God, if I tell them that they're under attack, they may be overwhelmed. They may be fearful. They may be scared. Church, hear me. I didn't come to scare you or make you fearful. Yeah, you may be under attack, but you've got to understand if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we don't lose. The only reason I'd be afraid is because I don't know the end of the story, but he's already told me the end of the story. The end of the story is you win. Somebody shout, I win. Come on, you playing with this. Somebody shout, I win. It may not make sense. It may not look good. You may not have it figured all out, but if you would just wait to the end of the movie, you would understand. You win. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. So here's David. David said, I'll fight the giant. And Saul said, you're just a little boy. You can't go and fight him. David said, you see me, but you don't know my story. Just because I got this little basket of bread and these cheeses and I'm wearing a shepherd's garb, you can look at me and think there's not much to me, but my appearance is not my story. And I look better than what I've been through. Hear me, they may overlook you because you're all dressed up and looking all nice and you got your makeup on and you got your Beijing all sprayed in for your hairline and you look in the best version you can present yourself, but what they do not know is under those fancy clothes and those perfect hairlines, I've fought some fights. I've been through some battles. I've cried some tears. I've seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David said, you look at me and you don't see a warrior. Can I tell you my story? There was this one day that I was watching my daddy's sheep and a bear came and snatched my dad. And we think David was this courageous warrior. I don't think so. 
I think when that bear came and snatched that sheep, David said, you can have that, shorty. I, I got 99 other ones. I ain't worried about that one. But I think David started to think about his daddy. <laughs> Say, if I don't bring all these sheep back to my daddy, my daddy's going to whip my tail. I need, I need. And he said, I went after that bear. And he said, I got the sheep. But when that bear saw me, the bear turned on me. And David said, I don't even, I, I, I can't even explain it. All I know is that a presence and a power came on me. And it was like an outer body experience. I saw myself leap on that bear. And I helped the bear. I killed the bear with my bare hands. And he said, King, there was another time when, once again, I was just minding my business. And here comes this lion, and he snatches another sheep. And I said, I don't want to get the sheep, but I don't want to deal with my daddy. So I'm going to go get the sheep. But I go after the lion. And he says, the same thing happened. The presence of God came on me. And I just saw myself go after that lion and grab him by his mane. And I tear him apart with my bare hands. And I think as David was telling the story. I think it dawned on David. Oh my gosh. God's been writing this the entire time. When that bear came, I thought God abandoned me. He hadn't abandoned me. He was preparing me. And when that lion came, I said, God, where are you? Because it didn't make sense to God without a lion come into my life. I thought God had abandoned me. I had no idea. He was training my hands for war. He was preparing me for this moment. Somebody in this room, you're ashamed of your story. And you've looked at different moments and said, God, where were you? Why did you let this happen? And you don't even realize God didn't cause it, but he allowed it because he was preparing your hand for war he said you didn't want to go through it but the fact that you went through it and kept your right mind the fact that you went through it and kept your praise the fact that you went through it and kept your faith now that you're in a fight that is your destiny now you're in a fight that is not just for you but your children's children's children are dependent on you finding victory in this fight you're not new to this you're true to this you know what I'm able to do and you know the same God that healed me from cancer that healed my broken heart after that divorce that brought me back after that foreclosure the same God who did it then he's doing it in this moment you're not abandoned you're prepared you're not overlooked you've been trained you're not forgotten you're God's special forces saying why did I have to go through all of this I says because I knew I knew that you're the one not to give up I knew that you're the one that's gonna fight the fight of faith I, I leaned over to first lady of the show earlier she said man it's so great to see you and all that and I said you and your husband have no idea that I've been watching this church for 20 some years and back when me and my wife were like, I don't know if God could do something great through a kid from Baltimore that nobody knows. He, he listen, y'all had one of my best friends, Pastor Brian Bullock, came last week. And don't clap for that fool. He came up here and sang. And y'all, I can't sing. I can't shout. I can't whoop. I can't holler. I can't even do the little foot thing. I said, God, can you use somebody like me? I don't got no pedigree. I didn't come from no mega church. I, I, I 
36, pastor in a massive church in three different states, six different locations. And people are like, how, how does that happen? And let me be honest with you, it's the favor of God. I, it's just a lot. I'm not being arrogant. It ain't all God. I work real hard too. I work. It's, it's like 90% God, 10% hard work. But if I were to explain anything of why God's doing what he's doing through my life, I'll tell you about my parents. When I was 13 years old, they sat me down my theft of his and said, your mom has cancer. The doctor gave her three months to live. But we know a different doctor who has something different to say. Kids, it's time to go to war. And they taught us how to pray. And they taught us how to fast. And that three-month diagnosis turned into 13 years of a long life that God extended her. And then I was 16, and they sat us down, and they said, your older sister has a brain tumor, and they're going into surgery, and they're saying she's not going to have any motor skills and all that other good stuff. But we know a God that is more than able. Children, it's time to go to war. And we began to pray and fast and intercede. And now, 20-something years later, she's in her right mind, still getting on my nerves. When I was 18, they sat us down. I said, I'm tired of these family meetings. No more family meetings. And they say, it's why am I here? Because God taught me how to fight. You ask them to cry your tears. Be completely overwhelmed. And when you're done, get up on your two feet and declare, I know who my God is. And I know what he promised me. And all his promises are yes and amen. Can you take about 60 seconds and can you just praise God that every single battle in my life, it ends in victory. It ends in victory. It ends in victory. It ends in victory. I may be overwhelmed. I may not know where it's coming from. I may not know how it's going to happen. But here's what I do know. God is not like man. He cannot lie. If he said it, he's going to do it. And I choose to believe what I see he said instead of what I see in front of you. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah in this place. Come on, that's a golf clap. Can you act like that problem, that situation? It's already, come on. Have the faith that when I go home this afternoon, I'm not going home to the same mess. I'm not going home to the same drama. I'm not going home to the same stress. I'm not going home to the same situation. It changes now. It shifts now. It's over now. Not because I see something, but because my God said. Yes, it's incredible. who you are. Come on, can you lift your hands? Father God, we bless you. God, we honor you. God, we know that in this moment, God, atmospheres are shifting. Y'all know I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory for the battle belongs to the Lord. Can you say that just for a second? I promise you, I'm not going to keep you long. Come on, just where you are, just begin to declare, I'm going to see a victory. God, I'm going to see a victory in my marriage. So you're like, Pastor, that's a good one. It's too late. Divorce papers already signed. <laughs> we got a couple at our church that signed divorce papers, got divorced for three years. Wife got saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. Husband went to a different campus, didn't even know they were coming to the same church. 
Husband got saved, filled the Holy Ghost. God mended their hearts and brought them back together after the papers were signed. They got remarried after a divorce. Listen, it ain't over until God says it's over. I'm going to see a victory in that moment. I'm going to see a victory in that situation. Father God, I speak victory over every single person under the sound of my voice. God, that person that's exhausted, that's overwhelmed. God, as we wait on you, God, you said you're going to renew our strength. God, you said in this moment that you're training our hands for war. God, I pray in this moment that you see us, give us visions. Seeing our children and loved ones heal. Seeing that business double and triple in size. See that relationship with that mother, that relationship with that father restored. God, what man says is impossible, God. It's light work for you. Just where you are, pray this prayer. Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this message personal to you. Some of you, you settled for less than double for your trouble. God says, until it's fully restored, I'm not done. Some of you, if you'd be honest, you're fighting the fight of your life by yourself. Because you know you don't have Jesus in your life. Maybe you're like me and you grew up in church and you know church, you know when to stand, you know when to sit, but you know that you have not surrendered your life to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Or maybe you're new to an atmosphere like this, you didn't even know that God knows you or cares. Well, He does. And He doesn't want you to take one more step without Him. So if you're in here and you say, Pastor, I'm I'm tired. I'm tired of fighting by myself. I'm tired of every time I move one step forward, it's four steps backwards. I, I'm if you're tired, there's a Jesus that says my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If that's you, you say, hey, I need Jesus right where you're standing. Can you pray this prayer? Matter of fact, everybody, let's pray this together out of those encouragement of those that are making the greatest decision ever. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for seeing me, for knowing me, for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross, for shedding your blood for my sin, for my mistakes. In this moment, I surrender. I give you all of me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, can you celebrate for every single person? Come on, that's a golf clap. Can you just act like somebody just crossed from darkness into life, from death into life? God is good, amen. I love y'all. I'm telling you, your best days are ahead of you. You've got no idea the victory that God has set in store for you. As we close, I'd be remiss if I didn't spend time just encouraging you. Don't just attend this church. Get a part of what God is doing at this church. I was coming over and they said, hey, Pastor, 
don't get used to this building. We ain't going to be here much longer. We're getting ready to go. And I think y'all calling it Victory Park or something like that. It ain't. It ain't Losers Park, it ain't It ain't Plateaued Park, it ain't we're gonna settle, it's I want the victory. I'm taking hold of all that God has for me. So we are gonna take a moment and sow into this move of God. I think they're gonna throw up a slide on the screen of the different ways that you can give. And I wanna challenge you, I wanna admonish you to give sacrificially. Somebody say sacrificially. Go ahead, take your seat for two seconds. Let me wrap up this and then we're gonna close out. To give sacrificially. What does it mean to give sacrificially? Can I tell you what it means? It means if it don't hurt, it wasn't a sacrifice. Somebody say, ouch. Can I make it even more plain? That means if you don't have to delay personal plans, to be able, if you don't have to dumb down your vacation, if you don't have to delay when you're gonna get that new car, if you don't have to postpone something, then it was not a sacrifice. God wants us to give sacrificially, why? Because he responds to the level of our sacrifice. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse 10, it says this, he gives seed to the sower and bread for food, but he multiplies the seed. In other words, he doesn't multiply what we need to, he multiplies the sacrificial part of our giving. And me and my wife, our, our entire lives, our generosity has always marked us and the favor of God has shown up in how we've sown. And I've always said, I wanna be a pastor that doesn't just tell people to give, but models giving. I don't want to be somebody who could just tell other people how God will move supernaturally, but I don't have any evidence in my own life that God is moving supernaturally. A few years back, we were moving into a new building at our church, and we were taking our building offering and all that. And I told the church, as everybody does, I'll never tell you what to give. I'll unapologetically tell you to pray and ask God what to give, because I know God will tell you a bigger number than I ever would. And I said, hey, pray, and whatever he tells you to do, do it. So me and my wife did the same thing. I went off and prayed, and God gave me a number, and the number was big. And I was like, oh, okay, God, whatever. And then my wife went off to pray, and she came back, and she said, babe, I think God's called us to sow the down payment for the house that we're getting ready to purchase. We've been saving the down payment for two years. Now, I'm saved, feel the Holy Ghost, I love you. I said, the devil is a lie. No, 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 no. <laughs> But I've been living long enough to know that you cannot outgive God. And I said, by the way, make sure you marry somebody of faith. Don't be married no loser with no faith. Make sure you marry somebody that can hear from God. And she said, I think this is God. I said, babe, I trust your ability to hear God. Let's do it. And we sowed that down payment for the house. Let me tell you the real, 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 real. Because people don't like to tell you the real, real, real. They want to be like, yeah, I sowed that seed and God gave me ten times more. That ain't happened for us. I sold that seed and that down payment, guess what we did? We had to save every penny back over again. Ain't no miracle came for two and a half years. And I remember one time I was talking to my wife, two years later, I said, babe, I never saw a miracle connected to that seed that I sowed. And she said, babe, what do you mean? We got the building and the church doubled in size. I said, that ain't my miracle, that's God's miracle. That ain't got nothing to do with it. I said, I, so, I want to see a miracle in my house. We saved up two years. Started looking for houses, found a house, to make a long story short, way outside of our price range. I said, hey, let's just see what happens. I said, it's an open house. They don't know we broke. Let's just go. I said, babe, put on all the Burberry I bought you. Let's just, let's just walk in there and act like we could afford this thing. And we walk in there. I mean, we look like we stepped right out of some magazine. And I'm, y'all, I'm acting a fool. I'm walking around with the reels like, ah, it's okay. 
I'd have to knock this wall out and move this. And that's not my type of hardwood. I like the wide plank. Y'all, I was flexing in there. Couldn't afford one thing in that room. After I walked through, I looked at the realtor and I said, hey, uh, uh, how negotiable are you on the price? Because there's a lot of work that needs to be done in here. <laughs> the realtor paused and he looked at me and he said, okay, don't tell anybody any of this. I said, well, you know you got to. He said, this isn't even my listing. He said, I'm here just for a favor for a friend. This house went on the market two years ago. And they haven't been able to sell it. And they've been dropping the price, dropping the price, dropping the price, dropping the price. And he said, hear me, if you put in an offer, I'm telling you, any offer, they will at least counter. We put in the most ridiculous offer you could ever imagine. Purchase the house. What the price was discounted was exactly 10 times what we had sewn in that offering. God is not like man. He cannot lie. If he said it, he's going to do it. Here's the problem that happened like five years ago. I hate preachers that got one miracle and they tell the story over and over and over. That's the last time God did something great in your life. So fast forward, we wrote that book. Me and my wife said, if we ever get to write a book, we're going to sell the proceeds of the first book to God. That's when I thought the money wasn't going to be much. I thought it would be like 20 grand, 30 grand. I'm like, yeah, I get that to God. We write this book. I get an offer for one book. The advance for the offer was six, multiples of six figures for one book. Yo, I was shouting in my house. I don't even know how to shout. I was on the kitchen. And my wife, she was so gracious. She let me have a good time for about three minutes. And then she said, babe, remember we said we were going to give the first to God? I said, no. with God long enough to know he's not like man he cannot lie if he said it he's gonna do it I said babe we're giving this to God we only had a one book that said nothing else comes we're gonna honor God with this I actually signed it over to the church so I wouldn't be tempted to kind of take anything later so actually all the proceeds from that book goes to Union Church and to the building that we're building in the DC area when well, we said we're gonna give it to God the next day the publisher calls back and negotiates against themselves. They said, we'll do a two-book deal for double what we said we'll give you for one if you will sign right now and not talk to any other publishers. I said, send it over right now. I'll I, I, I sign it before the day is over. I really felt impressed to say this as I was coming. The building's going to get built. And it's going to get built with... Or without you the question is are you gonna have a supernatural miracle connected to Victory Park that's not just the church but it's in your life that you can say I heard from God I obeyed and I responded the way that he told me to respond so I encourage you give not just because a building needs to be built but give because you want to see the hand of God in your life amen I love y'all God bless you have a good, good Sunday Come on, let's give it up for Pastor Stephen Chandler. Wow. Wow. Come on, let him hear you, World Overcomers. Wow. Wow. Before we leave, before we start moving, please allow the buckets to pass you before you start moving. While Pastor was talking, I gave my seed of $100 today. 
Some of you need to sow that and above. Um, as the bucket passes you, make sure that you drop something in there. We have our revival wall that is outside the sanctuary. As you exit the sanctuary to your left, you'll see the revival wall where you can write on the wall what you believe in God for as we head into 2024. Again, I'm asking that you don't walk until the buckets have passed. Please just give us a few minutes and you'll be able to exit. But you'll be able to write on that wall. This week, we know it's Thanksgiving and I'm praying for you. I'm not just saying this from the stage. I am really praying for many of you, my brothers and sisters, that Thanksgiving will look different for you this year. I know some people it's going to look different because you've had loss. Some of you it will look different because some of your family members are not near. But I'm praying for you that your faith won't fail and that you'll still be able to rejoice. I encourage you, those of you, don't fall into the trap of the enemy to stay alone and stay by yourself. Especially if you know that this could be a time of sadness for you. Get around some folk and make you laugh. And you know what? If you know somebody who's trying to act like they don't need nobody, grab a hold of them like they do to the old church and say, come on over here. Come on over here. I got a piece of chicken and I got an extra piece for you. Listen, y'all, we are our brother's keeper. So we want to make sure that we encourage and strengthen one another in the faith. After we shout in this room, we have to live out there. And I'm praying for you that your faith won't fail in this season. Those of you who are grieving, I'm praying for you that the Lord will give you peace in the next couple of days and that this Thanksgiving will be a giving of thanks for you as opposed to a time of sadness and sorrow. Again, we honor our First Lady. We honor our pastor. We honor our leaders. Thank you for allowing us to serve here at World of Cummins Christian Church. Appreciate all of you. I'm going to pray now, and then we're going to go. Father, we thank you so much. Thank you for all that we've heard. Thank you for loving us enough to send a word our way that would encourage us, inspire us, and uplift us. Now, God, as we leave this place, but never, 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 never your presence. Go with us, God. Go ahead of us. Those who are traveling this week, God, give them traveling mercies. God, cover them with your blood. God, those that are online and have left already to be where they need to be. God, please allow their fellowship to be great. Allow their time with their family to be great or family with friends, wherever they may find themselves. God, let their time be refreshing that when we come back together again next Sunday, we will be able to say, have the testimony of Peter, James, and John that it was good for us to have been together in our places. God, thank you for our pastor. Give us strength now. God, give our first family strength. God, as they, as they navigate the days to come in our stead, God, as they're praying for us and they're going before us, God, meet their needs as they're interceding for us. We thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, we all say together, amen. Hug somebody, love somebody, have a great Sunday, and happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Happy Thanksgiving. That's right. Hug somebody, tell them happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully, you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www worldovercomers.church slash podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.